Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, I've got uh, the electronic music artist, uh, DJ. Uh, his songs that just came out uh, this year are Hotel California, uh, Beautiful Chaos, uh, When I'm Okay, and Stranded. Yeah, there we go. And uh, he was a backline artist uh, last year uh, for the first installment of the backline uh, program, uh, which is an accelerator uh, designed to allow or help emerging artists get their career started. And uh, I'm excited to talk to him about his artistry and why he does everything he does while my cat is in his lap. So, Crystal yes. Knives, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. How are you today, Spencer? I am good. I'm feeling good. The sun just came out for the first time today, so that's a positive. Fantastic. And yeah, I'm feeling good, man. Awesome. Good, good. Uh, yeah, I haven't been outside today, but I will be. I'm going to have to go to work in an hour. But yeah, dude, like, I'm already wearing like the big marshmallow coat now. Like, yeah. You know the, the. I'm probably gonna leave the North Face be for 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 the, the time the time being because it's just so freezing already and oh, yeah. I I'm, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I think I like three weeks ago is when I first busted out the long underwear for the winter. So mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like I've been like double pants in it most of the days. Uh, I need to start doing that. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. It's clutch, man. It's, I, it's yeah, game changer. Oh yeah, the the long long johns. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have them uh, buried deep in the depths of my dresser. It's somewhere, so gotta go find those. Man, yeah, yeah, gotta go find those. But yeah, um, well, uh, what we talk about on Mister Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, uh, passion and creativity, and um, we actually have met one time, uh, but it was um, it was actually after your backline, uh, the, the backline oh, showcase, your yeah. performance. We met very briefly. Um, that was before any of this was happening, like when I was doing the show or when I was, you know, covering the local music scene, like, I was just kind of like, I need to meet people, I want to yeah. see what's going on around here, and, you know, this backline thing seems, like, super dope, like, you know, a lot of really, like, talented people are all in the room here, so it's like, who do I, who do <laughs> I talk to? Um, but yeah, we, we... Yeah. It was a, it was a very brief exchange, but um, I obviously had been familiar with you because you were selected as a backline artist. Um, yeah, man. Um, I guess we can definitely start there. Like, what what were your takeaways from being selected as an artist, being part of the program? That was, that's a good question, actually. So I have kind of two answers for this. So the first initial takeaway that was kind of a really cool one to see that I think is gonna be a really good like continued thing going forward with Backline is just the fact that it shows you a lot of different routes to success and kind of takes away the the guesswork of like oh maybe I can make a career in this and it shows you like okay you can make a career in this you just have to be willing to pivot willing to uh, look at all the options and truly do that which that's one really cool thing with it and the second one too is having a big chunk of money come in all at once that you can use to get stuff done shows you all the areas where like 
you're messing up outside of money. Like you can use money as like a crutch to be like, oh, if only I had the money to promote that single, I'd be like crushing it. Or if I only I had the money to buy this, but like at the end of the day, like that didn't solve certain things. It helped for, for certain things obviously, but whether it was work ethic or whether it was not being diligent enough about finishing tracks, starting too many, taking too much on my plate, it showed me a lot of areas that I, I could work on as an artist and as a person that weren't financial sure. through giving money, which is kind of backwards, but mm -hmm. yeah. But it, yeah, it sounds like uh, teaches you about budgeting yourself and whatnot, yeah. you know, not, you know, not feeling set back by not having certain things at your disposal, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't uh, take away from how hard you still have to work, you know? Yeah, and like having things, like anybody can buy things for the most, I mean, within reason, obviously not everybody can buy everything, but mm -hmm. anybody has the means to potentially acquire a thing. Like what, but what you like cultivate in terms of your actual, like what you bring to the table as an artist, whether that's lyrics, whether that's melodies, like anything like that, that comes from, like nobody can replicate that right. if you're actually good at it. So oh, yeah. it shows you what's important. It's like someone could buy a real expensive camera be a real shit photographer, you know, or be yeah. terrible at, you know, actually putting it to good use at the end of the day. But, you know, you can, you know, great photographers could only just be using this thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, or you can make a great song off of like, you know, garage band on your phone or something like that. Oh, know? yeah. No, I remember back in the day, I watched this interview with Rusko, who was like one of my favorite producers back in the day. And he's sitting on this like brick of a desktop computer using... I think it was some Sony program that they don't even make anymore, making yeah. hit like tracks in the electronic sphere and like, yeah, it's not about what you got. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, you know, what you utilize, you know, in your means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I feel like I kind of experienced that a little bit this past year with, um, like, uh, not having a, like not having found like a career job, mm -hmm. uh, with my degree. So I graduated from UWM in journalism last year and, um, you know, kind of my, like my goal, like, you know, the place I pigeonholed, mm -hmm. like where I wanted to work was 88, nine. Okay. Like I wanted to work there so bad. Like it was kind of like, I saw no alternative to it. And I'm like, I need to work here. Like this is, this is for me. Like I know I'm meant for this job, but but, you know, I couldn't just rely on them to, like, you know, carve a, a pathway towards my success or towards me being fulfilled. So, you know, I had to regroup and think, well, what can I do, like, in the meantime or, you know, what, how can I still, like, utilize my degree or my skill sets to still do what I wanted to do? So, in that, um, in that time, I got in touch with Breaking and Entering, started writing for them, and started still doing what I love to do, still, you know, was able to build a great portfolio this year, you know, I had just recently written my 100th article, nice. um, you know, got busy, and I didn't need, you know, a full-time job to to do that, you know, it's, I found a different, a different path, and, you know, it's it's been great, it, even though it didn't, even though, you know, it wasn't like the, uh, like the idealized, uh, opportunity that like, I thought I was going to have right away, you know? No, I feel you on that a hundred percent. And I, I've been through 
a lot of different iterations of that where you're like you have a straight line in mind it's like okay here's point a where i'm at here's point b where i need to be mm-hmm. let's go there and like it's not that simple right. sometimes you gotta stop off at points fucking j through k yeah and, and whether that means doing a different lane or just kind of moving laterally within the lane you're in like yeah. it's you just have to be flexible like mm-hmm. if you want any sort of career in anything creative like this whether it's journalism or writing songs or painting anything like yeah, that. Yeah, seriously, yeah, totally. It's like, you know, you don't really see, it's like a graph, you know, yeah. like, you know, you don't go, there's very rarely like that spike in like, you know, unless, unless you're like, you know, the one in a million where that happens. But even then, it's like, you still have like so much growth you still have to make within, um, within like that, that overnight success that you might have. It's like, you might not even be mentally ready for that. And that's why, like, you know, I've learned that it's, you know, it's great to just kind of, like, go step by step, you know, make it a very gradual, like, slope, you know, in in terms of, like, how, in terms of, like, the progress you're making, what you're learning, you know, like, you know, really uh, enriching, like, the relationships you have with people becoming really embellished in, like, the process and it, you know, it just, it, nothing that like is really like worthwhile, like happens right away. You no, know? no. And like every, every time you see somebody that's having overnight success, like you don't see all the time that went into that beforehand. Like you're not seeing yeah. them staying up until 5am after working a full time job every night to, so that they can work on their mix downs or anything like that. Like you just see once they've made enough noise for you to hear about them and for them to be talked about to you, like you don't get the rest of that story always. Exactly. It's like, dude, like, you don't know what it's like to brew a pot of coffee at 1 a.m., you know? <laughs> well, I know what that's like. Yeah. Well, well. well, I know you do, but a lot of people yeah. are like, they wouldn't think about, like, no, that's how hard they work. Yeah. Like, no. they're, they're, they're done when they're fucking done. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I used to do that. Like, after I graduated high school for a couple of years, I was working full time at Home Depot and I, I would come home, I would get off at like 10 p.m., I would grab coffee on the way home, and I would work till four in the morning, and then, like, I would do that again, like, every day just mm-hmm. to, like, so I could make sure I was putting the hours in to get the shit done that I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, gotta fit it into, there's only, a, there's a finite amount of hours in the day. You gotta, you gotta cram it in there. You gotta, you really gotta like force it in there, you know. Oh, yeah. That's been my quest is just to create more hours in the day for the past year. And like, not obviously you can't do that, like yeah. really. But in terms of just like my like mental energy, my physical energy, like how quick I can bounce back when I like really exert myself. Like those are all things that I'm trying to work on, just to like, in some sense, create more hours in the day. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just on your, like your your personal hours of the day. Yeah. yeah. Like usable. Hours. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, so, uh, speaking of which, uh, that's a good segue into talking about your own kind of musical background. So like, uh, yeah, I'm interested in hearing, I get when you started like finding like the craft, the manipulation of music as a creative outlet for yourself. Um, I've always been drawn to music even when I was young, but 
I actually, up until like fifth grade, I thought that playing an instrument was really dumb. I don't know why. Like, it was just like in my head, I was like, yeah. that's dumb. I don't want to do that. Sure. Probably because I failed the recorder unit in elementary school. Ah, uh, you're right. <laughs> I actually never had to take that unit. Man, you lucked out. I was I, so bad. At the <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. I remember, I know that was a thing for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. But failed that. And then uh, the band sign up day or whatever comes around in fifth grade, and I tried out the saxophone because I was like, Cool. I'll try that out. My dad used to play saxophone. So I was like, I'll try that out. But I wasn't good like at all. They told me they were like, yeah, maybe try another instrument. Like maybe try drums. And I was like, oh, drums sounds sick. Let me do that. So I played drums for years. Like I did jazz drumming. I did a lot of metal drumming. Was in a couple like punk and ska bands in high nice. school. Like just all sorts of stuff like that. And then kind of midway through high school, my friend showed me uh, electronic music and introduced me to the Glitch Mob. Oh, like, yeah, they're nice. still like one of my biggest influences. I love them. And he gave me like a copy of his version of FL Studio that he had because his parents got it for him because he wanted to try like composition and stuff. And like they thought he meant like jazz composition, but he was like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes with this. And yeah, I sure. just was like drawn to the fact that I could do it all. Like I was sick of trying to get four high school dudes in a room to, to write a song and start a band and all this. I wanted to be able to do it. And as a drummer, you can't really write like a full song. Instead of yeah. drums, that's kind of hard. So I, I could in FL Studio, so I made a lot of really bad songs. Uh, like a lot. Like I, it, It's funny because drums actually came very naturally to me. The The production side of electronic music like really didn't. Like it, mm -hmm. it was a grind to get there and it was time. And like I wish I would have taken it more serious sooner, um, but that's all. Hindsight's twenty twenty now. Yeah, right. But yeah, just kind of, I don't know, kept at it. Like I... I just, I'm stubborn, really, like, I, yeah. I just kept going until eventually I made some stuff that was okay, and I, then I started putting some of it out as Crystal Knives eventually, I guess, is the next step of that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But that was five years ago now. Were you, when you were kind of, like, getting into electronic music, were you starting to, like, um, I guess, how were you uh, taking inspiration, like, were you going to shows where you like watching like videos of of like the performances where you like or you just sitting in sitting in and just listening to like consuming a bunch of like you know the the that kind of music and starting to like develop what crystal knives would be um definitely wasn't like fully developing what crystal knives would be at the time but i was just always consuming whatever i could like it was whether i was mowing the lawn and had it on in my headphones like I used to listen to mixes from people and DJing was something I didn't really even grasp at the time like I had never done that I started with the production long before I started DJing um, but I'd listen to DJ mixes whenever I was doing something I would constantly be watching tutorials on production whether that was sound design or scrolling through reddit threads where people are talking about it like anything like I would just pretend to be doing my homework on my laptop and yeah. so my parents wouldn't yell at me for not doing my homework and I'd just be like oh, yeah right on. yeah like, how do you make this baseline and like all that type of shit and yeah. I just I was just so drawn to like learning everything I could about it and yeah, it was just, I guess, listening to as many artists as I could, which I, I was, uh, what's the word? I was very lucky to have some friends in high school that introduced me to all the new music when I wasn't as on top of it. Yeah. So yeah. them combined with just a desire to like know how to do it and be able to do it was really just where I got all that inspiration from. Yeah, totally. I, um... I say I think Skrillex is a very influential mm -hmm. artist, like, not just because, I mean, he's an amazing artist, like, in the EDM genre, but he, just who he is, mm -hmm. you know, like, how, like, he's a, he's a, he's kind of an oddball guy, you know, he's definitely, like, was a misfit growing up, oh. but 
he found something he just fucking loved doing and now you know people that people just have the time of their lives based on his art and his craft and i get very like uh drawn to to folks like that that you know didn't really you know fit in too much growing up but they found something they they did something completely in their own lane that other people you know began gravitating towards and sort of appreciating that person for being so like weird or different or just you know uh eccentric because uh, i i definitely felt that way growing up like i was a weird kid growing up too you know <laughs> you know and i never felt like i totally i always felt like i was kind of an outlier in a lot of different ways but you know i feel like now it's like i'm doing something you know on my own that you know people have appreciated me for and um and you know that you know it motivates me to you know, just continue that to yeah. just continue on that journey. And I feel like a lot of our greatest artists that we look up to went that exact route. Yeah. I think most people do just cause like the way it, a really creative artist's brain is formulated is like different. Like you don't think the same as everybody else. You don't look at the world the same as everybody else. And like music is where people find common ground though. So yeah. you can be a little bit out there and still bring people together. Like I think I was thinking about this like a couple months ago, like, all my friends I have right now through like some facet or another, I think I know through music, whether it's yeah. like old friends that we like had a class in high school and we like the same metal bands yeah. or it's new friends that I met literally from like writing songs with. It's just like everybody comes from so many different backgrounds and ethnicities, like uh, their own like histories, like everything like that because music just brings everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. Dude, yeah, I mean, I have some good friends that are, like, um, they're really into, like, raves and, like, festivals and stuff. And they travel all across the country, you know, meeting new people and creating families based on, like, you know, that, that like, uh, just collective love and appreciation for, you know, the traveling, the atmospheres, the... The colors, the, the you know the music, of course, the the performance aspect. Like everyone is just so enchanted, yeah. you know. And um, you know they met people from all over the world, pretty much, and people that they wouldn't have met otherwise. And all those are the people that they're regularly in touch with, like you know, sharing and reflecting on their life experiences together yeah. and sociologically how powerful music can be, you know, yeah. just how really like any creative, any art form can be is like it, you know, it's, uh, it's like a magnet. Yeah. And it's like, especially when you're creating from like a very real place, like in the, especially with like when I'm writing like songs and writing lyrics with people and rather than doing the production side of it, like it's a very like intimate personal thing and I have friends like my friend Sarah DeWarn shout out Sarah, Sarah. Uh, she's great but she's from the UK and uh, grew up in like a town of literally 80 people in the UK and oh. now we're like close friends and we've written like 12 songs together just yeah. because we we met on I don't know connected on Facebook and happened to be in LA at the same time once and we've written so many songs together and connected on a very real level that like we can talk about like tough parts of our histories yeah. and our presence and all that For just sure. because we connected through music and like yeah. that 
especially songwriting just breaks down like those first couple like months or years of a friendship and you just jump straight into like the deep end and I really love that about it actually totally oh yeah yeah because you already feel so like cosmically kind of connected to them you know it's like your soul met them in another place Mm -hmm. that just made you all automatically feel like kind of bonded with them of sorts uh whereas in in other like casual environments that would take a lot longer to build sort of build like that that trust or sort of that like real emotional connection because when you have an emotional connection with something very strongly very sacred that someone else has equally to you yeah you you just you you really do like feel a lot more like uh you know right away feel like you can trust that person in in such a way where, yeah like you know kings oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I love it. i've worked with chris in person shout out times. he's really great yeah shout out kings. and they make great music yeah they do and they're coming back too yeah um but yeah kings just made a song with a singer from new zealand yeah you know it's like <laughs> that's it's just so fucking dope like you know it's a it's a global culture you know it's like it really uh blurs the lines between like who you like know versus like who you don't know because it's so easy to like become connected with people oh it totally changed my perspective on making friends on the internet yeah that was like a big no-no growing up like don't meet people on the internet don't talk to strangers yeah now i meet all my friends on the internet right and i feel like all i do is talk to strangers yeah literally like talking to strangers on the internet is like the basis of most of our careers exactly (laughs) it's like dude like we didn't had never like hung up yeah we met once at the backline thing and yeah yeah and like we connected on facebook I was like, dude, you want to be in my show? And then I just let you into my home, and here we are, you know? (laughs) But no, I mean, the internet's cool for that. It breaks down a lot of barriers, and, like, I feel like a lot of the art that's getting created now is a lot more, like, experimental or weird or, like, open and free just because, like, people aren't limited to, like, okay, here's the producers that I live by. Here's the the vocal engineers that I live by. Anything like Mm -hmm. that, like they can truly like find their tribe and like the people that resonate with them yeah. without like the constraints of like who's physically right. near me no or no, the pretenses of who it makes sense to work with yeah yeah exactly you know like i mean on kanye's new album like yeah. kenny g was on a track you know like, that's crazy yeah like and on damn by kendrick like i remember u2 was on a track like travis scott did that tame impala record too. yeah yeah exactly like you know it's just like you know the the barriers are only there because you know we've you know like we put them in place you know so how did crystal crystal knives actually kind of become some something of its own okay so uh in terms of the name or the music or both both okay gotcha so i'll start with the name uh that one is kind of like a two-part thing uh the crystal part is I think crystals are kind of a reflection for like how we create music. So it like takes in crystals just take in light from the outside world and reflect it out as something different. And that's that's really what art is to me. Like you take in all your surroundings, like all the people you talk to, all the the music you hear, all the whether it's just like a stranger's conversation that you walk by or a flower that you thought looked really cool. Like yeah. anything like that like comes inside and like percolates around and gets thrown out of you as art like mm-hmm. that so that's the first part of it and then the knife part uh the knives is from this book called zen the art of motorcycle maintenance it's okay. like a philosophy book that i read in high school or like i, I didn't read the whole thing sorry mr o'leary 
Um, but I read enough of it to get yeah. to this concept. And then the knife is basically this uh, mental tool to like deviate between like the creative and technical aspects of any art form, but like pay them equal respect. Mm-hmm. And like he, he talks about it throughout the book as in he's maintaining and caring for this motorcycle that him and his wife like used to go across country and all that. But it's applicable to any art form and you gotta like whether yeah, no matter what it is, you gotta know the technical and like really take that to heart and learn that as itself in order to like fully realize the creative and that like spastic, more free side of it. I like that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, you should read that book, man. It's yeah, really man, I'm, I'm gonna go back and reread it. It's been years. Yeah, you yeah, should uh, send it to me so yeah, I can yeah, look it up for sure. Cause um, I'm all for, I'm here for it. Uh, so, in terms of the music, uh, yeah, like like when did you start? Like yeah, like how did the music your the, your own music kind of uh, sort of start taking a form of its own? So it started actually. I was just trying to do like remixes initially, and I did a remix of a track called "Nall" by Daniel Etienne. It was like a really small like underground artist with a small underground label, but it was they had like a remix competition on some website that I looked at. So I was sure. like, cool, let me try my hand at this, and I ended up winning that. And I was like, for somebody who had never like I put out tracks under a different name with a friend that were just like really like early early yeah. stuff before but like it's something that like this is the first thing that's like i'm putting out as my own i was like oh like it felt like thrilling to me even though this it maybe was getting like a thousand or two streams i was like this is the coolest thing ever like just feeling like i've accomplished something there so i i did that i was putting out like these festival trap bootlegs and remixes which i think are like mostly scoured from the internet but i think <laughs> you could probably find it if you tried hard enough oh okay, <laughs> okay. But uh, I was doing all that and like, but the winning that contest really what it did like outside of just like get me hyped about it is I was like, I got to kick my ass in gear. I got to learn how to like actually do this because I hadn't made an original song that I was like happy with at that point, like at all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, I got I to try to do that because like remixes are cool and all, but that's like yeah. A, not really like what does it for me for sure. uh, and B, it can only take you so far. So I was like, cool, let me learn how to make some originals, made a bunch of really bad originals yeah. and then eventually started getting ones that were they were good enough like they were uh, i was comfortable putting them out in the world and everything and shop them around to some like small indie labels that i found on soundcloud like ouroboros records was one of the first i released okay. with uh they're based in france actually so back to the global thing we're talking about yeah. but they put out that song uh this song called raw that i did a couple years ago i think that one's still out there actually that was like one of the first first originals that i awesome. put out nice. um the other one i forget what it was called uh, but it came out like that same month and that one's not around anymore. Word. But I, I just started doing that and like, I don't know, like the, the de- developing a sound is something I feel like I st- I'm still doing, even though I, like there's obviously overlying characteristics in the, like the way I write melodies, the way I process vocals, the way I, I shape sounds and like do all of that. I feel like my sound is something that I, like, I'm just now with like the music I'm making currently really getting into something where I can call it like my own. And totally. it's just a constant like, back and forth for me really of I'll go in on the technical side of things like I'll be like okay like I need to learn how to to mix these drums better I need to learn how to like use this cool new distortion better like anything like that and then I'll like flip away from that stuff and be like oh that's that's annoying me for now that's boring me for now and I'll, I'll go like hard on the creative side so I'll, I'll just be writing on piano which I don't play well but I, I can play keys enough to write the chord progressions and stuff and then write lyrics and then it's just this constant back and forth of like whether the like 
technical side of it or like the just free like open like spazzy creative side of it is the knives you know? yeah, yeah 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 the knife yeah driving that like yeah. on the middle there comes full circle it really is like a part of my creative process yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally yeah it's like the whole thing right 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 exactly it's, you like, know in the same it's like separating emotion versus reason in some ways yeah um, you know because it's like that's how we make decisions or how we make perceptions on, on anything really is you know it's that constant battle between emotion and reason and in the same way like when it comes to your creative process you know it's like free spirit creativity just kind of like you know like speaking for itself versus the the technicals the you know the the fundamentals and whatnot yeah it's and like they're both you need both is the of thing. course like whether, yeah. whether it's logic and reason like a lot of people are so hard on one or the other like they're like Oh, I just need to be like logical, like facts, facts, facts. Or people are like, oh no, I just need to feel it out, like breathe. And like the answer is always going to be like somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like, and, and people need to have that sort of appreciation in yeah. all aspects of life. I yeah, think. I most certainly. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I'd love to talk about your new songs. Um, so let's um, pull them up here. So we'll, so we'll go down the line here uh, in order. So Stranded first one that came out uh, earlier this year. Tell me about that song. That song was really fun to write. Uh, Ivish now, uh, the singer on that track, that was the first time we actually met. We're close, close friends now, actually. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time we ever met, and I brought uh, him and my friend Nathan, who was the trumpet player on the track, uh, into a session. I was just like, screw it, let's see what happens, because Ivish is very, like, uh, kind of trap soul, R&B vibes and all that, and Nate's a, a phenomenal, uh, like, jazz trumpet player nice. who actually was he's the same friend that gave me that first copy of FL Studio oh. um, so yeah. yeah major shout out oh, Nate. he's yeah. the man nice. um, but we got together at my studio over in Walker's Point and I think like it took like five hours and we had like the whole demo of the song recorded basically like it was just a instant like vibe in the room we nice me and Nate went to work on the instrumental like he played some piano chords and I helped shape it because Nate being a jazz player he is very good at uh, like having a big like esoteric kind of toolbox to pull from with these chords and me coming from the more pop side of things I could very easily take like these complex big ideas and be like okay but if we simplify this down shape it somewhere that like is a little bit more easily digestible like it'll be something that people can grasp onto easier so it was a really quick like natural back and forth and like a vicious just kind of sat there was like writing his lyrics on his phone and everything like that and then brought it to us we dialed in the lyrics and like it was it was just like a non-stop just flow of going oh, like, yeah that track it was great man oh yeah yeah you lose track of time with that yeah <laughs> well yeah actually it was like the opposite where like you look and like the whole song's like written and then you're like what time is it oh no it's only like four hours later like, it was just that like yeah. organic yeah yeah and like when you get the right people in the room and everybody's just open-minded like that's how it turns out more often than not totally yeah yeah for real um how about uh, when I'm okay? That one is with Sarah, who I was actually talking about yeah. before. Uh, again, shout Once out. Once again, Sarah. yeah. But yeah, we. Uh, I had that instrumental for a long time, actually. Like I was sitting on that instrumental for a while uh, without the cello on it, um, and I just didn't. I couldn't find anybody to write to it like remotely. Like I kept shopping it out to singers, and it was. It's a weirder track, so like nobody could really like find that like pocket. And mm-hmm. I was out in LA for writing last summer. Uh, August, I think. Okay. Yeah. And I was at staying with my manager Adam out there. Sure. And Sarah ha- happened to be in LA too, and she just put out a Facebook post. She was like, "Hey, I'm in LA. 
I got some free time if anybody wants to write, like hit me up. And I was like, oh, yo, let's, let's hang out, let's write. And we got together. Uh, actually, funny story about this song. So I met Eru, who's the cello player of the track, and Sarah, the vocalist on the track, the same day. But like, we didn't know that Eru was going to be involved into the track until like a month later. Like, I just happened to meet them like two separate times on the same wow. day, which is really weird. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, me and Sarah wrote the the vocal over this track in in a few hours and recorded it in Adam's living room with like we had all the windows closed in down like Hollywood in August and it was hot as balls and we recorded it against like we had like a whiteboard with like a blanket held over mm -hmm. it like I put my microphone against to absorb the reflections and stuff and we just made it happen and like it was such a natural vibe writing with Sarah and we actually the lyrics for that song were all like kind of line for line taken from like the myth around Prometheus like the the Greek myth around that mm -hmm. and like kind of we just like took inspiration from that to like shape it into like talking about like a toxic relationship basically. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Damn the relativity of that situation. Oh yeah, actually really okay, I gotta finish that part with Eru. Yeah. yeah. So like a month later I was like trying to figure out because Eru Eru is a phenomenal cello player. And I was like trying to figure out like what what would be the right fit for us to work on for something. And that track just I could hear it going in there. So I was like, hey Eru, you wanna you wanna do cello on this? And she was super down because basically she comes from like a long classical background. Sure. But like loves playing anything but classical music. So loves yeah. pop music, loves electronic music, anything like that. So she was more than happy to hop on and we recorded the cello parts like a few months later when I was back out in LA at that December and it just fit perfectly and became something that I feel like was actually really unique. Yeah. Awesome. Damn, nice. Yeah. That's that's super cool. Uh, just how the universe just aligned for you right there, and yeah, yeah, and, yeah for sure. Um, how about uh, beautiful chaos? That one's a little bit interesting actually, because that one was. I'm I'm usually a very solitary kind of person. Like I'll, I'll collaborate in terms of writing songs with people and writing lyrics and all that stuff, but like I don't often collaborate with a lot of other producers. And that one is one where uh, Kiso and Kayla, uh, who I've worked with both before had this track that was most of the way there and I just kind of came in at the last minute and kind of put a little bit of my flair into it. So it was a very interesting learning experience for me, like having to take something that was very much already kind of fleshed out and like just put enough of it onto it so I didn't like take away the essence but was able to have a little bit of me in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it was honestly like I think that is... I don't know, releasing control of stuff is probably harder for me than than being able to be in right. charge of the whole show. Allocating like each other's like sort of like stake into mm -hmm. the song or, you know, inserting your own flavor but in a yeah. way that doesn't take away from like, you know, the the flavors of everyone else. Oh so, yeah, especially yeah. when they they come to you with a song that's like very much like an entire thing already. It's it's a little bit of a challenge to kinda weave your way in there. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think I struggle with that sometimes too. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, just, I like to I like to be in control and you know creatively as well. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that's why I like to do this yeah. and just answer to only myself. And your um, most recent one, uh, Hotel California. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just came out uh, last week. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited about that one. Awesome. That one's one that I've been sitting on for quite some time actually. Uh, with the same singer as Beautiful Chaos. We actually made Hotel California first, and that's kind of sure. part of why it was a natural thing to, for me to get involved with the Beautiful Chaos. But yeah, that one, it was a weird one. Like, it started off with a totally different instrumental, 
the like I think the only things that are the same are like the general like baseline progression and stuff. And I sent that instrumental to Kayla, and it was called like Bipolar Love or something. And I I'd written like some scratch lyrics, but like didn't send them to Kayla because I was like I just want to hear her like what she makes of this track. And I'm glad I did because it was very polar opposite and it was great. But I got the vocals back after sending it to Kayla, and I like. I loved them. They're like they're phenomenal, but I felt like the instrumental I made didn't like fully connect with them. So I was like, shit, kind of back to the drawing board on that yeah, a little bit. Totally. And I like I tried so many different things. Like it's so so many different things. Mm -hmm. And Adam kept like hounding me. He's like, yo, bro, when are you gonna finish Hotel California? And I was like, I just can't. I can't get it. There. Yeah. Like, and then I just let it sit for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I came back and like one day I just was like determined i was like pissed off i was like i'm gonna finish this fucking song yeah, like yeah. i'm gonna finish it and i sat down i was like what's the essence of this i was like what do i need to take from the vocal and like the the california aspect of it was what really it stood i got I just had some weird references for this i was like okay let's listen to the most california shit i can think of like i pulled up a hennessy and buddha by snoop dogg nice. like gin and juice like old dr dre like the next yeah. episode like all that like g-funk stuff for sure i was like how do i take this, which because that's California, like in, in the way that a lot of people know it. Yeah. And right. I, was, I took what I could from like sounds and grooves and feels and everything from that and try to like juxtapose that with Kayla's like super like hyper modern pop vocal. And like that's really how like the current form came to be. And like I, I finished the, the demo of that version of it in like eight hours. And I think before I had spent probably like 25 hours just dead ending with ideas. Oh, wow. But sure. it just like once I figured it out, I was like, let's go. Like, yeah. Man, this is this is really like all fascinating hearing like just how analytical you are with like the with the craft and just the attention to detail and just kinda like how you're connecting sounds and, and pieces mm -hmm. into um into patterns that like make sense to you. Um and I remember that uh Mag, shout out to Mag. Yeah, Mag's um, great. I love Mag. He said, like, introducing you before you performed at that showcase, he was like, this guy is the hardest working art, like, artist like I've worked with, like, talking about just how, you know, you will spend hours until you get it right. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's hearing about just, you know, all four of these songs that you just dropped this year. And, I mean, you, the ones that came before that, like, you do have, like, a very, like, uh, um, a, a determination oh, yeah. to, you know, to, I'm stubborn. I'm yeah, stubborn. that's what it is. Well, that's I mean that can be a, a that, there's a lot of merit to being mm -hmm. stubborn in that way because it's like well, you know you're you're not gonna settle for something that's not finished. You know you're not gonna put something out that isn't you know completely like where you see potential in you know it's like you're gonna sit on this until like you know every you know last uh, facet of this piece is you know completely like enriched yeah um which is man like that's a that's an that's a work ethic that you know i can already tell like suits you incredibly well in, in your craft and it will continue to thank you man yeah thank you i really appreciate that. you bet <laughs> <laughs> but yeah with that too it's like another part of that discipline is like you you gotta be that way about the way a track has to end up like be detail oriented but like it also means you got to make the hard calls about when a song that you put like 40 hours into doesn't need to come out because it's not good enough like mm -hmm. and that's that's the hardship but like that's 
you have to like that's that's a reflection of who you are to the world and like yeah. you want that to truly be something that reflects you and if you don't feel it does then don't put it out yeah yeah it's just yeah. not ready or it's not mm-hmm. meant to be you know that could, that can be a it could be an excuse or like a realization yeah and you gotta that's where having like a team around you like having mm-hmm. people that you really trust to like answer the hard questions uh-huh. truthfully like that's where that comes right. in totally having that second voice to help uh you know echo uh the right decision or the right direction to move in from that point forward yeah so all these songs that came out um are they uh yeah i guess like what are you working on now like you know what's uh what's on your agenda and you know with the months to come and whatnot yeah that's i'm really excited for all of that so branching out is one thing i've been doing a lot uh for the crystal knives project obviously but also producing some more hip hop and R&B oriented stuff. So I'm doing a lot of songwriting for stuff that's, some of it's for my project, some of it's just for other artists, whether that's pop or dance stuff. So that is a part of it, just trying to expand like what I'm doing always. But like in the more immediate future, I have a, a track coming out on December 5th with a Vish that I, I produced for him that it originally started off just as an idea for his project, but it with the way I did the vocals and did a lot of the production, it just became very much a collaborative thing. So we're putting that out together. And then after that, I've got like three songs that I'm, I'm putting out that are singles in the next year. I don't know exactly when yet, but they're all done and I'm really excited about them. And then I'm working on an EP for the spring too that's like really the first like body of work that I'm... I feel like it's a pretty cohesive representation so far of who I am as an artist, so I'm excited to, to finish that. And now I'm holding, I guess I'm accountable for doing yeah. that because it's, it's, on record. it's on record. Yeah, <laughs> so I gotta do this now. Yeah, totally, for sure. Awesome, yeah. man. Um, That's really what's next, man. Cool, uh, I know you do, uh, you perform here and there. I know you, yeah. you've done like Site 1A a couple times. Uh, yeah, done that, did Summerfest this year. Uh, looking to just start doing the, the festival circuit and doing more shows in the coming year once I like really have the music out that is like me me like i kind of took a, a back or put that in the back burner just to really figure out what i wanted to do but i'm excited to get that going again awesome man we love to see it dude all right crystal knives um this is great to get to know you and your process and everything um i still remember mag said that uh you uh, eat a lot of Cheetos in the studio. Oh, okay, <laughs> flaming hot Cheetos specifically, and I've cut back on the flaming hot Cheetos. Oh, nice. yeah. I used to eat a lot of flaming hots in high school, so dude. Yeah, I, yeah, man, I, I don't get them often these days, but um, I might have it's to go. Treat. I, I might it's have to. Treat. I might have to go get some more now soon. Yeah. Now, now that we're talking about, it. but um, yeah, man, um, I'm excited to see uh, how the next couple months will. Uh, play out and for crystal knives all the, all the new material new shows uh tell me what keeps you up at night oh, that's a that's a long road to go down um, <laughs> i don't know a lot of things but mainly just like my mind making noise like that's what it is like my mind just always unless i like make a very conscious effort to quiet it it's just loud yeah all the time so right that the thoughts the static yeah the thoughts that are like a bullet a bowl at a gate. Yep. Oh, yeah, man, I'm on those too. Oh, yeah. What uh, puts you to sleep, though? What puts me to sleep? Incense, meditation, water. Incense, meditation, and water. Yep. I've been burning incense a lot lately, yeah. too. Um, Gotta have the vibes correct. Yeah, right, right. The, the, the scents. Yep, yep. The aromas. Thanks yeah. for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, you bet. It's a pleasure. Uh, Crystal Knives, uh, singles are streaming everywhere. Uh, Hotel California out now. Out now. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy.
We'll see you next time. Mr. Nice Guy.